moving. Yeah? All right. Good to see you guys this morning. I'm glad y'all are here. Uh, welcome to church. We are in our December series, Advent. Super excited about it. My name is Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here at Northwood Church. Sound, sounds a little hot, I think. Maybe, maybe you could help me with that for just a moment. That'd be great. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Northwood Church. And uh, on behalf of our lead pastor, Jordan Dakota, I just wanted to extend a huge uh, welcome to you. If you guys are veterans of NC, welcome. If you guys are guests of NC and you're here for the first time, welcome. We're just so happy that you're here. As a matter of fact, if you guys wouldn't mind giving a huge round of applause for those guests that are here for the first time. You know, this is one of those times of the year where we love to just invite people from the community in. Maybe it's a family member or a friend of yours and, and just to come and, and give them a clear and uh, uh, accurate picture of who Jesus is so that, that they can know what it is that we have that we cling to, the hope that we have. So I'm super excited to be able to share a little bit more out of our Advent series with you today. Uh, but before I do, I wanted to give you a couple of things to kind of be thinking about. Next week, we have what's called our Next Steps class. And our Next Steps class is an awesome opportunity for you guys to find out more about Northwood Church, what we're all about, how you can be involved with Northwood Church, and uh, really where we're going. And, and, and I'm super excited about Next Steps class. We've had a lot of people that I've actually recently met and had coffee with that have come out of our Next Steps class in just the last few months, and they're finding that uh, God is doing incredible things in their lives already. So if you haven't been to Next Steps class, please come next week, prepare to go through Next Steps class. It's about an hour long after the service. Uh, you can come with the expectation to leave your kids in kids ministry. And so you don't have to worry about that. They'll have snacks. They'll have fun. Uh, they've got a safe environment to be in so that you can be right over here in this hall, just outside these doors. Uh, you'll be able to find that next steps class and, and learn how you can be involved in what's happening here at Northwood Church. So that's one. And the second thing I wanted to kind of bring to your attention, maybe you noticed on your way in, uh, we had a couple pub tables in the lobbies and they had cards all over them. And those cards are invitations to, uh, to, to what we're doing here in the month of December, our Advent series. But they're also something that just help people know that, that they're cared for, that God sees them, that God loves them. And one of the things that we're doing is these acts of kindness. And in these acts of kindness, we want to hand this card to someone while we're doing something special for them. Uh, this week, what we really want to emphasize is four people doing something special for four different people. Uh, so, uh, we want to focus on police and fire. Uh, we want to focus on nurses, we want to focus on teachers, and we want to focus on military personnel. And what we like to do is we like to find them wherever they're at in their community. We want to buy coffee for them, maybe to pick up their tab at the restaurant, uh, whatever it is that you feel led to do and whatever ability that you have to do it. Do that and give them one of those cards and just say, hey, I believe God loves you and I just wanted to, to bless you with this. And, and it's a really simple way to invite people into what God's trying to do uh, here at Northwood Church, but also so that maybe they can take a step uh, towards faith in God that could really change their lives. So hopefully you guys will be bold enough uh, to do that this week. Uh, super excited about talking to you today out of our Advent series, like I mentioned. Uh, we are going to be talking about a number of different things, but you know, we're in this series uh, really, and it's, it's centered around this season of Christmas, right? And everybody's usually pretty excited about Christmas time, right? Uh, there's a lot of things to be excited about. And, and I know that my wife, I mean, she, she grew up with like a house full of Christmas decorations. And, it, and that, that's just something that she looks forward to every year. Uh, if, if, if I would let her, she'd probably put Christmas music on right around Halloween, right? And, and, but I'm not going to let her. So she puts it on the day after Thanksgiving, just like the rest of normal people do. And um, no, it's okay, baby. But uh, no, I love the joy that she brings. It's, a, it's an incredible atmosphere, an incredible environment. And we 
love Christmas. It's a wonderful time of the year. And there's a number of ways that people like to observe Christmas. Some people uh, maybe a little bit more consumeristic in their approach. Maybe you put a lot of stock in the stocking. You know, you're, you're thinking about uh, how you can hook people up with presents and how you can get hooked up with presents. And uh, you, you really get to January and you look back and you're like, what was I thinking when you look at your credit card statement? You're like, man, that's going to take two years to pay off, and then I'm going to do it next year, and I'm just going to, this is compounding interest. This is why I'm broke. And so, uh, yeah, we love Christmas, right? Uh, but then there's other uh, approaches to Christmas. Uh, some people approach Christmas with a little bit of, of maybe anxiety, uh, maybe a little bit of discomfort, maybe there's a little bit of sorrow. Uh, some people attach this, this time of the year to loss, uh, to pain. And so there's, there's that. That can affect the way that you view Christmas. And, and then a number of people also, they just approach it from a very spiritual perspective. They use it as an opportunity to really orient, reorient uh, their minds and their hearts around their faith uh, and really what matters. And so that's one of the goals of, of this series is to just really help you uh, orient your faith around those things that matter most in this season. So our December series is called Advent, the Coming Savior. And uh, Advent simply means coming. Or arrival. It's, it's pretty simple. That's why we put that word in the, in the title, right? It's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, but what, what was coming? What, what was arriving? And that's the question. Uh, people were expecting for many, many years that a Savior, a Messiah, would come and save the world. And, and what was it that they were expecting that this Savior, who we later find out is Jesus, what was it that they were expecting him to bring when he came? And then we know as believers that Jesus is coming again. He's going to come again on a cloud of glory, and, and he's coming for his church. And, and what that means for us is that we would still be looking forward to with expectation for Jesus. And, and we still have a similar question. What is it that Jesus is going to bring in that time as well? So this month, we're exploring details of God's plan to bring four different things through Christ. Uh, we talked about hope last week. Pastor Jordan preached an incredible message on hope. I hope you guys were here and uh, caught that message. If you didn't, you can go back and look online, and I think that'll be an encouragement to you. Next week, we're talking about joy, and then the following week, which is Christmas, the week of Christmas, uh, we're talking about love, and I hope you guys are thinking about inviting your friends and family, especially to, to maybe that Christmas week ser uh, service, because I think that you're gonna, they're going to hear a message that could be um, really impactful in their hearts and their minds that could change a lot of things. For them. But today we're focusing on this topic, peace, peace. So it's one of the things that, that Jesus came to bring, and it's one of the things that he'll bring in the fullness of his return when he comes. The truth about God's peace is this, that he desires us to have and experience peace that impacts all of our relationships. First, he wants to impact our relationship eternally with him, our, our relationship with God, our eternal Connection to God is impacted by the peace that he gives us. Then he wants to impact our relationship internally within ourselves. Did you know that you have a relationship with yourself? There's a way that you relate to yourself. And then he also wants to impact our relationships externally with others. The people sitting next to you, the people in your home, the people in this community, and the people all over the world. He wants to impact those relationships. And we see Jesus speak to this uh, idea of peace in the book of John. John is an account, which is basically a, a historical collection of, of information uh, about the gospel of Jesus, about Jesus' life and the things that Jesus said. And we see in John chapter 14, Jesus is talking to his followers. Now, Jesus, these are Jewish people who had heard of 
this Messiah that was coming, Jesus has now convinced them, I am the Messiah, and their, their trust is in Jesus. But then he's saying, yeah, I've come, but I'm also going. See, I've got to go on the cross in order to accomplish what it is that I actually intended to bring. And so they're, they're starting to lose their peace because the person, their God, their Messiah, is saying, I'm no longer going to be with you. And what he says is this. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives peace do I give to you. So let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now Jesus was leaving, so how was he going to give peace? Well, this, this scripture, this conversation here was happening in the context of what Jesus said he was doing to, to help supplement that peace that we might feel a lack of without the presence of Jesus himself. And he said, I'm sending my spirit, the helper, the one who will lead you into all truth and righteousness. He's going with me. He's going to be the way that I'm fulfilling that promise that, lo, I'll be with you until the ends of the earth. Emmanuel, God with us. He is going to go with you, so have peace. And so... We see that God desires to give us peace. First, it comes in Christ. And then through the power of his Holy Spirit, we're sealed as sons and daughters of the living God. And then we are empowered and led by his Holy Spirit. And so we can have peace, knowing that God is with us. Now, what more specifically is peace? Well, peace in the New Testament, we see a definition that, that comes from the Greek, that word arene. And then in the Old Testament, we see a definition that comes from the Hebrew word shalom. Maybe you've heard that one before. And really what shalom was, if we look at that one specifically, shalom was a very common Jewish greeting or farewell. They would come and say hello to somebody and they'd say shalom or they'd be leaving somebody and they'd say shalom. And maybe on a Sabbath, Friday, they'd say Shabbat shalom. We want Sabbath peace. And really the way that the Hebrew mind thought about shalom, this peace, was from a very holistic perspective. They were thinking it was about complete well-being, about social, physical, psychological, and spiritual wellness. So it's a very holistic view on peace. Now, uh, more specifically, these definitions might include things like this, like the absence of conflict or war. Another definition might be the state of being uninjured or a sense of safety, right? We all want that kind of peace. Nobody wants broken bodies. When a, when a person's welfare is being cared for, they would consider that shalom. Or, or this one's something that is really easy for most of us to relate to, right? This overwhelming sense of calmness. And, and that's when you might hear somebody start talking about, just take some deep breaths, Maybe rub your earlobes, woosah, right? And, and then people are like, they're wanting calmness, right? But, but I'm not sure that we're always looking in the right place. So there's calmness. And then there's also, I love this one, this sense of completeness or wholeness. And that wholeness is really through the lens of an eternal perspective, an internal perspective, and then an external perspective. Now, I want you to imagine a wall for just a moment. I've got three little kids at the house, and, and we build all kinds of stuff. We'll build a fort from time to time. We've got dollhouses going on, but one thing that our kids love to build is magnetiles, right? So we'll build a, a magnetile. Are you familiar with those? The little magnetic little pieces that you can construct together and build like houses and buildings and, and stuff like that. Well, we would want to build a wall from time to time to maybe connect buildings or protect a castle that we built or something like that. And if, you, if you've ever played with those or even just maybe some Duplo blocks or something like that, you know that when all of the blocks or the, the magnetiles are connected, that that wall or that structure is whole and it has integrity. 
right? But you take one of those blocks out, you take one of those magnet tiles out, and now it's just a house of cards, and it's really easy to fall down. Well, that's the same uh, picture that we see in this idea of peace, this wholeness, this integrity. That word integrity is where we get our English word integer from. Any math geeks in here? You know what an integer is? It's a whole number. An integer is a whole number. There's no fractions. It's not part of. It's, it's a whole number. And so, so peace is representative of wholeness and integrity. And we had this wholeness at one time. And we had this integrity in our relationships at one time. In the Garden of Eden, we see two people, Adam and Eve, and they walked in the cool of the day with God, unified with God, whole with God, and whole within themselves and with one another. But they were deceived in the Garden. You've heard the story. God said, you can have all of this, but not that. And the enemy came along and deceived them and said, did God really say that? And he convinced them to eat of that thing that God said for them to not eat of. And their wholeness, their integrity, and and ultimately their relationship with God was stripped from them. And now a curse of sin came on humanity. And we see this curse of sin operating in full effect throughout history in God's people, Israel, and even into today, in this moment. Now, Israel continually violated the integrity of the relationship with God. Right? So there was wholeness, and God gave them certain ways to engage him, and he was always trying to go to Israel and draw them back into this unity, but there was an inability because of this brokenness and this sin, and so they lost their peace. They were separated from God, and there was no way that they could do anything about it in and of themselves. There was nothing they could look to outside of God to be restored to wholeness and integrity. There was this chasm that was a bit vacuous. It was in their heart. We think of oftentimes, we've heard this, there's maybe a hole in your heart, right? Well, that hole in your heart, I'm not convinced that it's just a void that just sits there. I, I personally feel like, and, and we can see a number of reasons in the scripture and, and, and just in creation why we would think this, but I think it's drawing. I think it actually is like a vacuum just sucking in whatever is around it. And so this chasm in our hearts is, is calling to be fulfilled. It's calling to be like satiated, to be satisfied. And whatever's immediately available and accessible is the thing that is going to draw into itself. And it's no different for us as it was for them. In the same way that in a pursuit of wholeness, Israel went after other gods, we do too. Our gods just look a little bit different in 2019. And so... Fortunately, God had a plan. Isn't that always good to hear? But God had a plan to restore people to peace with him. And that brings us to one of my favorite definitions of peace. This idea of restoration or reconciliation, right? You know, you take a, a, an old house and it's got good bones, you know, it's got potential, right? But somebody's got to breathe life into that thing to restore it. And, uh, and it's almost like a new house when it's restored properly. Well, the same way for us, God restores us. He breathes his breath of life into us and restores us. And, and then not only that, but we're out of alignment with him, but he reconciles us to him and brings us back into alignment with him. And so that's a definition of peace, reconciliation. And the ancient prophets knew that God had this plan to reconcile man to God, and, and they pointed to this coming time of this reconciliation, this complete peace. And so this has been prophesied for thousands of years before Christ ever came. So how would God restore peace when sin had stolen it from man? Well, God's peace is his gift to us, and his peace ultimately we find comes through the work of Jesus on the cross, the Savior, the Messiah. 
Jews that came to believe in Jesus would call him Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. They say he's the savior of the world. And the prophet Isaiah, he paints even a clearer picture. This was one of those prophecies that was foretold about the coming savior before he ever came. And these were the the names that, that were given to Christ. He says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. This is chapter 9. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of what? Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of the increase of peace, there will be no end. This is the promise. He's bringing peace, and there will be no end to the peace. It's not circumstantial. Nothing can change it. Nothing can take it from you. When you have the peace of God, it is eternal and everlasting, and it's wonderful. Now, that phrase, the government shall be on his shoulder, what what was the prophet referring to? Well, the Jews that had heard this prophecy understood that one way. They believed that the Messiah, that king that was coming, was going to bring about a political revolution and that it was going to establish their authority, their rule and reign as people as he brought about this Jewish kingdom on earth. And that's how peace was going to come because, because now they have power and now those, those Romans, now those governments that had oppressed them and all those things, that, that was all going to be moved aside and this king was going to lead them into prosperity and peace. But Jesus doesn't come as a conquering king. He comes as a suffering servant, which kind of messed up their view on their ability to even accept Jesus as the Messiah because it wasn't at all what they had thought he would be. They were expecting him to do something for them. And he did do something for them, but it wasn't the way that they had thought. Instead of bringing a kingdom of peace, he comes to a kingdom of chaos. You know, this world is chaos. Born in a stable amongst animals in an alley, they would, they would say that, that, that manger, it sounds so sweet, doesn't it? It was a feeding trough. There was probably a, a bunch of pilgrims and gypsies all around them. There was no room in the inn. They had no place to stay. He comes into chaos, and he comes to a kingdom of chaos, and he preaches future and everlasting kingdom of peace. He doesn't bring that kingdom with him in that moment. He begins as a young man and as a teacher, and ultimately we find as God himself, as the Messiah, he begins to teach. My peace that I bring to you is not only for this moment internally, but it's also this future and everlasting kingdom. And he enters our chaos and our brokenness as individuals the same way he did the world. And he gives us not only the peace of God, but he gives us peace with God. And that's why we call the gospel of Jesus the gospel of peace. Now, there's three areas that God restores peace to us through Jesus. So he's the prince of peace. And so the prince of peace provides eternal peace. Eternal peace is with God. Now, we all desire contentment. We all desire this serenity and fulfillment and satisfaction out of life, don't we? I'm like, absolutely, that's the peace of God. Yes, give me that. Give me the peace of God. I want that right now. But the biblical concept of peace suggests that the peace of God can't be had until you first have peace with God. So it's not only that he gives us both, but it's that there's an order to it. We have to have peace with God before we can ever have the peace of God. And sometimes we go grasping for the wind, looking for peace, yet we're maybe lacking order in our relationship with God. Now remember, peace means reconciliation with God. That's a foundational reality in our 
in our belief system. Like it's his peace makes us right with him. Romans 5 says, since we have been justified by faith, that justification was, it's a legal declaration. There was a, we were unjustified. We were not just in the eyes of eyes, uh, in the eyes of God, unrighteous. We were considered sinners. And, and ultimately there was a, 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 a consequence that we were going to pay for that sin. But through Christ, by faith, we are justified just as if our sin never happened. And we are legally declared righteous in God's eyes. And now because of that justification by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're no longer enemies. That's good news. Now the peace of God is contingent on unified, a unified relationship with God through Christ. So again, it's this wholeness. It's becoming one with Christ. Jesus prayed this in John 17 in his high priestly prayer, one of my favorite places in the scripture to look to. God, that they would be one with one another as they are one with me as I am one with you. And we look for peace in different places, unfortunately, because, you know, the, uh, the faith realm is, is difficult sometimes. You can't see things, and so we start looking for things we can see. And so we look for peace and companionship and success and the, the image that we present in, in the public and the way that people perceive us. And ultimately, those become the gods of our lives. And we think they're filling that chasmous hole in our heart that's just sucking those things in, and it's not. It's unfulfilling. Only in Christ can we have peace with God, and only then can you experience the peace of God. And so that's eternal peace. The Prince of Peace brings us eternal peace. The next thing, the Prince of Peace provides internal peace. So we have eternal, now we have internal. Internal peace is the peace of God within. You're like, yes, I'm glad we got there. That's really what I came for. I was really hoping that that you would mention this. Well, again... Keep it in order, but this is something that God wants to give us. The peace is a characteristic of God. It's fruit of his spirit. And so you would have an expectation that Christians should experience peace in their lives, right? Well, the spirit of God is in us, and so we should have peace because that, that's his fruit. Now, the peace of God is available to us through his spirit, and it, it protects our hearts against fear, against shame, against rejection and condemnation, and all the things that result from those things, which oftentimes is anxiety, depression, sorrow, brokenness, wounds. It can protect us against those things. Philippians chapter 4 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer, And supplication, meaning making requests that God would meet your needs and supply them. With thanksgiving, with a grateful heart, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And and the author of this letter, he also writes, he says, Whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's anything excellent or worthy of praise, think about, meditate on these things. Don't meditate like clear your mind of all things and find oneness in self. No, meditate on the things of God. Have the mind of Christ and let that change your heart and guard your heart. Now, it's possible to have peace so deep you can be content even in times of great difficulty. We were singing a song earlier, peace, calm the the storm inside of me, right? Well, that's a beautiful prayer. Sometimes we pray only that, God, would you calm the storms around me? But God's like, I might not 
calm the storm around you. I might just teach you how to walk on water. I might just teach you how to have faith in the midst of the storms. I might just give you peace in your heart in the midst of chaos around you. You know, we're all on a journey for peace. And the enemy tempts us with situational peace, which is really temporary. Like if this circumstance would change, man, that would fix everything, right? I would have peace then. Or if this circumstance, man, if, if, we, if only we could move this here and get this money right and get this situation right and get that relationship right, man, that, that would do it. It doesn't. It doesn't. Because as soon as this thing's right, you got another thing on its tail that's not. And you're confronted with conflict and adversity. And, and what are we going to do then? We've got to learn to not look at the way the enemy tempts us, to, but remember that God's plan for peace is eternal. And it comes through Christ and his spirit. And he does give to those who steadfastly set their mind on him peace. It says in Isaiah 26, it says you, uh, the prophet, is speaking to God. It's a prophetic declaration of who God is. He says, you, God, keep him, the believer, us even, in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Do we trust in God? Are we keeping our minds stayed on God? Are we meditating on those things of God? And, and I know that that sounds easy to say. And you might be like, well, you, Mr. Preacher Man, yeah, you got your act together, right? You're up there on that stage. You read the Bible and pray all day long every day. And, and that ain't true. That's a lie, all right? I might read the Bible a good bit, and I do pray a lot, but that, that doesn't mean that I don't have the same adversities and the same, at times, even frustrations and, dare I say, torment for, for these little moments in my life that, that, that you experience as well. We all experience these things because we're all subject to the same brokenness of this world. And, and so, so I understand that there's brokenness in this world. Why is there so much brokenness even in the church when God promises peace? Why? Well, I think you might, I mean, I know like for me, like there's been times in my life where I was like, I'm saved, right? I'm saved. And you might be sitting here right now saying, I'm saved. And, and it's like, I, I don't understand why I'm still dealing with this thing. This fear, this anxiety, this insecurity, whatever it might be. I'm saved. I have the spirit of God. I'm a son. I'm confident in those things. And then right there, oh man, I'm and I start beating myself up or whatever it is, right? And you're sitting there maybe thinking the same thing. Maybe you have other issues that are even more complex. And you're saying, what about me? I struggle. Well, I, I, I want to point to this reality that I think we live in as believers, which is this already not yet, like, matrix, right? And it's, it's this. It's that Christ has already come, and he's already brought peace to the earth, but it's not fully realized and not fully like fulfilled because Christ is going to return and he's not yet returned to bring about the consummation of, of him and his bride to, to fully unify him and his church. And so what happens is we're stuck in between in this place where we're like, but the promise is there. I thought I was supposed to have this peace. I thought all these things were supposed to take care of themselves. And you start thinking God's not with me, but you got to remember that we're, we're still waiting on the, on the complete realization of what God has promised to bring. So it's already Yet not yet. We already have the victory, but we're not yet fully living in the fullness of that realized victory. And that's a difficult place to be, and it requires faith. So there's that. But then I also think that there's some holistic reasons why we might struggle with peace. Uh, maybe some of us just need counseling. 
I come from a pretty jacked up background. I'll tell you what, I would have loved to have had some counseling at certain times in my life. I'll, I'll just say this. I would even find value today in having counseling personally. And I'm, I'm not struggling with anything significant right now. I think, we need, I think we need to work through these things. Counseling, sometimes we need medication. I would love to be able to say that God is going to deliver you from the brokenness in your mind, the brokenness in your emotions in a moment, and I believe he can. And we should still pray that way and believe that way. But at the same time, God sometimes uses medical intervention and the other tools around us to help bring about a healing or at least even to, to, to give us something to make it through those darkest times in our lives so that we can get to a place of stability to where he can then begin to minister beyond those things. So we might need medication. Community is a big one. Man, when's the last time somebody encouraged you through your difficulties? Man, you got to have community in your life. It's one of the, the biggest cries of my heart, man, like that I would have people around me that will continue to see me and my need and my brokenness and call me on the floor in areas where I need to be called on the floor and, and encourage me in other areas where I need to be encouraged. So vital. If you're not in community, I want to encourage you to be looking forward to small groups. They'll be uh, uh, ready for sign-ups, I'm sure, mid-January-ish, and, and we'll be starting them in February. So we have a little time between now and then. But, man, get connected with these people around you and be encouraged. Uh, give me give you some personal examples of th things I'm doing right now. Um, I am uh, personally, I've realized that I, I can't I can't look at everybody's lives all day long every day <laughs> because I have such a burden for people that what happens is I see the difficulties that people have and I begin to take that on myself and I'm just, I mean, I, I literally could hold up in a closet all day and just pray and, and it's, it's, it's exhausting <laughs> and I can't do it. So for me, this is just me. I'm not suggesting that this is something that you need to do. I prayed and God led me to this place for my personal walk, but I'm, I'm abstaining. I'm, I'm fasting, if you will, from, from social media for a period of time because I want to make sure that I trend towards health rather than away from it. So social media for me is something I'm focused on right now. Something that matters to me is exercise and nutrition. I've always been in the exercise and nutrition. I know about it. It's been a lifestyle for, for, for so long, but life starts kind of taking time away from you, if you know what I mean, and, and you get distracted from some of these things that are helpful for your body. And so I've noticed as, as I maybe wane on my exercise a little bit or lose focus in my nutrition, it literally begins to affect not only my physical well-being, but it affects my emotional well-being. And then that ultimately leads me to a place where I'm like, I'm like desperate and there's this thing and God's like, dude, just stop eating that junk, you know, or, or get back in the gym and move something. I, I gave you a body. I created your body to be used and you're not using it. You're sitting at a desk all day long. Use your body. And uh, so that's important to me. I think that's a holistic thing that a lot of people lack in their lives. Order, order in the home. Look, we spent a lot of time over the last couple months really trying to clear things out. It's not this whole, like, you know, simplistic approach to, to living or anything like that. It's nothing extreme, but uh, at the same time, man, you got a little pile of this over here, a little pile of that over there. It feels like chaos in your environment. Well, what happens when you clean it up is all of a sudden you got a little less chaos in your environment, and so now you can worry about the other things that you don't have control of, right? So take control of the things you do have control of. Get some order in your home. Get some order in your business. Get some order in your schedule. I can assure you that will contribute to some inner peace. How about a hobby? Who got hobbies in here? Anybody got hobbies? I'm talking about real hobbies. Like, you got a hobby? I need a hobby so bad. Anybody got any suggestions? <laughs> I was given a motorcycle a few months ago, and, I mean, I started working on that bike in the backyard, and I was so excited. And I was just cranking on them wrenches and, and, and 
doing, redoing the gas tank and towing it back and forth to the mechanic for the things I don't know how to fix. And I was so excited about that. I took a motorcycle safety class. I mean, I was finding a lot of joy in doing something other than the mundane. Not that the mundane's bad, but sometimes you just need a hobby to break the monotony of your routine. And uh, now it's sitting in the back. I haven't been able to get the motorcycle tank on. So anybody that got any ideas about how to do that, let me know. Because I need a hobby. <sighs> and then there's identity, right? <laughs> there's identity. Like, who does God say he is? And in the light of who God says he is, who does he say you are? If we, if we can understand what our identity is, like even intellectually, that, that breathes on the whole of ourselves and, and positions us to be able to receive the peace of God even more so. You know, my son, Justice, he's uh, three years old. I wasn't sure if I was going to share this or not, but I've got a little time, so I think I will. Uh, he was born without his left hand, and most of you know that, but some of you may not have. And so we didn't know that that was coming. Uh, you know, and as a father, he's my firstborn son. I've got a daughter who's a little bit older than, than he is, and, and now my second son has come behind him. But my first son, you got these expectations for what what being with your son's going to look like and all of these things that, that you kind of imagine and the things you're going to teach him and, and, and all that's still true, but the approach to those things might be a little bit different now. And, and so when this happened, uh, I'm going to say this, and, and if you were one of these people that might fall into this category, please don't take this personally. This is something we've just been working through. Uh, we're, we're in great shape now, but the first year was very difficult, to be frank. And uh, even the second year was challenging. And even at times in his third year, I get rocked. And the reason I'm actually reminded to share this story with you is because it just happened this weekend. I got rocked. I was like, man. But everybody was encouraging us like, oh, he'll be fine. Man, we were even told by one person, just pray his arm grows. (laughs) I was like, okay. (laughs) Boom. Just (laughs) None of that wasn't you. They're gone. (laughs) <laughs> but then some other people were like, um, man, just he's going to be okay. He's going to figure it all out. He's going to be just like the other kid. He's going to be able to do everything they can do and so on and so forth. And now he's three. And he's still not figuring a lot of things out. And it's challenging. And we're encouraged. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, the reason we're encouraged is less because we're looking forward to and placing our hope in and finding peace in the idea that he might be able to do things just the way that kid can or that he might not get made fun of or stared at at the park or stared at at the grocery store. It's not, it's not that we're putting our hope or, or finding peace in the fact that, he, that those things won't happen to him or that he will be able to do everything that we hope. We're, we're putting our peace in the fact that, that he is going to discover that, that he is a son of the the living God and that he has security in who he is in Christ and that he can look forward to a future hope and glory where his glorified body will be whole. And so as much as we pray and believe from a holistic perspective, yeah, I'm going to teach my son to tie his shoes. Yeah, we're going to figure out how to do all those little things holistically. We'll, We'll grow. But at the end of the day, Every holistic thing on earth has limitations. And if we don't find our peace in the eternal reality of who God is and who he says we are and what we have to look forward to, we will lose our peace. So the greatest contributing factor to peace is a deep revelation that in Christ, you have peace with God. See, even our internal peace is attached to 
peace with God. Peace of God has to be predicated on the peace that we have with God. So that's internal. The last one, the Prince of Peace provides external peace with others. Now, I'm going to use some language that seems a little contrary to itself, maybe a little oxymoronical. You have to fight (laughs) to keep peace. It's a word. Yeah. Look it up. (laughs) 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 Whatever. (laughs) Ephesians 4 says, be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. In 1 Peter, we see that the author of that letter said that we are like living stones. And as living stones, like almost as if you were building a wall to be a habitation for God, a spiritual house for the Lord, right? That we are living stones and, 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 and each of us makes up that wall and there's integrity in the wall when the body is whole, right? But when, when somebody gets plucked out of the wall, when a living stone gets removed, the whole loses integrity. Not only does that person suffer, but the whole suffers. And so we experience wounds and, and offense and, and sometimes maybe in immaturity, maybe not. Maybe just in difficult circumstances where relationships are just tough because it is. Relationships are tough. Man, I'm not easy all the time, right? So some of you might be like, man, this guy, I, I, I got I to get out of this, you know? But but if we can be mature and humble ourselves and work through these things, then we can maintain integrity in the body of Christ. And the wall won't be toppled. The enemy wants to tear us down because we are image bearers. We bear the image of the living God. And not only do we bear the image to one another, uh, not only do we bear the image of God individually as we go, because we're very individualistic in nature. So we're always, how, how do I represent God? What is my gifting? What is, no, but we bear the image of God as the body of Christ in this community. And that's what, why we can say that not only is Jesus the hope of the world, but the church is the hope of the world, at least when we view it from that perspective. Because when, when people look to the church, they should see Christ. But it's not just the body of Christ where we should make efforts to live at peace with everyone. Romans 12 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now, there's no guarantees that we can live peaceably with all because we all know that society is divided in many, many ways. I love looking out on this crowd because there's so much diversity. In age, in race, in background, in culture, I love this. This is like heaven. Every tribe, every tongue. But in our society where the spirit of the bond of peace is not operating, all of these differences, differences in preference and position and, and perceived power and all these things, all of those, all of those things have the ability to, to, to separate and even to, to lead to tribalism and then, and then animosity. But blessed are the peacemakers. And that's what we are. We're peacemakers. The body of Christ, each of us as individuals and the body as a whole, we should be peacemakers. That's one of the reasons why the acts of kindness thing is so exciting. Because we get to go to anybody and everyone and say, hey, as somebody who knows that God loves them, I just want to let you know that God loves you too. And I want to invite you to come be part of this thing. But also I just wanted to hook you up because you are worth something. You have value. And so I wanted to bless you. And so I think that's one way to bring peace. Now, we'll never overcome these divisions in our society as a whole. This utopian idea of peace on earth is, man, when the new heaven and new earth come, when Jesus comes down and and rules and reigns with us, that's when that happens. But between now and then, we proclaim the Prince of Peace as the solution, the one who can bring peace now, and the one who guarantees the fullness of peace later. 
But you know, this peace comes at a price, don't you? Ain't nothing good free. Peace comes at a price. Well, who's going to pay that price? Well, the Prince of Peace paid the price for peace with sacrifice. In Isaiah 57, it says this, The wicked are like the tossing sea which cannot rest. There's no peace for the wicked. We were all wicked apart from Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, we see that, in other words, it says on a cross, God the Father treats Jesus the same way that the wicked deserve to be treated. And then in Galatians 3, it says that there's a curse of sin, yet Jesus takes on himself the curse so we could receive his peace. Being united to him by faith, reconciled, restored. And then in Matthew 27, on the cross, we see that Jesus cries out as he loses his fellowship with the Father and experiences this unimaginable inner agony where he says, my God, Father, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken so that he could say to us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you. He experienced infinite pain so you can know endless peace. See, peace came to us as a baby on one cold winter night in Bethlehem in the midst of chaos in a feeding trough. But then on a cross, he paid for our peace once and for all, eternally, internally, and externally. And that's why Jesus could say to his followers in John 14, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. So during this Advent season, as we draw near to Christmas, can we set our hearts and our affections on the fact that ultimately the peace that we desire is found in Christ we have the peace of, with God in Christ, and we have the peace of God in Christ. We're on a journey. God is, God is walking us through things. We're walking out our salvation in fear and trembling, and, and there's difficulties. But if we will continue to let our eyes and our hearts be set like a flint on Jesus, he will give you peace. Would you guys join me in prayer? You know, Father, we are so grateful that we can gather in this place as we draw near to the time that culturally we celebrate your coming, your birth. Uh, Lord, we just thank you that it's more than culture, that it's a truth, that it's a promise, that in Christ we are made whole, we are reconciled and restored to you, our Father in heaven, and we have peace peace with you and the peace of God that goes with us. So God, I'm praying right now for every person in this room, those who might be in a season of difficulty, that there would be peace. God, I'm praying for those who who might not have any difficulties that are at least perceived in their lives. Maybe there's a season of flourishing and prosperity. God, I pray that, that peace in you, with you, would be their primary focus. And God, for those that are in this room right now that do not have peace with you, God, I pray that right now as your spirit is here with us, as you are faithful to speak to us, that you will be speaking with them right now and that you will be telling them that you have peace for them. Right now, you might be sitting in this seat. You feel away from God. You, you, 
you're pretty confident that you've never put your trust in him. You've been finding your peace in other things and maybe you've never found peace and you're realizing now, man, all these things I've chased, they're not bringing me peace, but I sense peace in this place right now. And I'm just here to tell you that that's the presence of God and he cares for you, he loves you and he wants you for his own. He wants to make you a living stone in his holy habitation to make you part of his body, but he wants to have an intimate and personal relationship with you. And all you have to do is say, I trust you, Jesus. So for now, if you're sitting in this seat and that's what you want, you wanna trust Jesus with your life, with your eternity, if you want Jesus to forgive you from your sins so you can be delivered and healed from the curse, you wanna be whole with God, now's your chance. Say, I want that. Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for pursuing other gods. Forgive me for pursuing other things. God, I'm now pursuing you. You pursue me. Here I am. Now I pursue you for the rest of my life. You can have everything. And I'm trusting you to meet every need that I have according to your riches and glory. I trust you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Come on, let's give it up for those people that just prayed that prayer. Let's give it up for God because he's faithful. Amen. Amen, amen. Thanks, Pastor Stephen. Hey, I want to just congratulate those of you who maybe just prayed that prayer with Pastor Stephen. You know, uh, talking about peace, there's literally now something transformed. God came in and renovated your heart. You're made brand new. Uh, the promise of eternity, the promise of eternal peace is now yours, and you get to hold on to that. And it's a wonderful thing. Uh, the Bible says that right now heaven's celebrating for that decision you just made. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? And so we're celebrating with you as the family of Christ. And here's one thing, though. I, I don't want you to, to uh, miss in this. The promise of peace is yours, but the feeling of peace, that, that, sometimes that comes and goes. And what Pastor Stephen mentioned it, one of the things that we need as we continue living this life out and, and finding peace in our lives, and so, because you don't, you don't know how it feels, it's those ups and downs, those twists and turns in life. One thing that we need is community. We need someone to walk through this life with us. And what we want to do, we don't want to, what you just did is not the end, it's just the beginning of something brand new and something exciting. So we don't want to leave you off on your own. Um, we, we want to partner with you in this journey that you've just begun. So what I would ask you to do is there's a, a, a what's next card. It's an orange and white card right in the seat pocket in front of you. Grab that. Just annotate on there. Hey, I, I accepted Christ today. I just started a new journey with Jesus. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to reach out to you this week via text message or email. Uh, I'm not going to spam you or anything. What I want to do is I just want to get some info into your hands. Actually, we got a special video that Pastor Jordan uh, made for you that's going to help you take your next steps with Jesus. And then I also like to just come alongside you and help you get connected to what you need. And that's this. These people in this room right here. You just, you got a new family now. Okay, you got a new family now, and you got to connect to it. Um, so I just encourage you to do that. Um, you can turn it in at the Next Steps area right in the back of our, the room here. Um, you can also just drop it off in any one of the buckets at the doors as you leave. Also, for those of you who are maybe new with us, uh, maybe you've, uh, this is your first Sunday here, second, third, whatever, but you're like, man, I, I kind of like what's going on here. I want some more info. Same thing, that orange and white card, uh, card fill it out real quick. Turn it in the same way at the Next Steps area or drop it off in a bucket. Same deal. I'm going to connect with you 
you this week. I just reach out and see and just say hey um, and answer any questions you may have about the church, and um, it's going to be good, all right? Uh, so, hey, guys, Pastor Jordan and uh, also a team from the church did something really cool the past several days. They went down to Cuba and partnered with a church down there and held a baseball camp uh, for, a bunch of, uh, for a bunch of young uh, guys and gals. And it was a really cool way to connect something that's important in their culture to a church. And it's, it's this awesome blend of like, man, this is what they love, and then connect them to a church and ultimately connect them to Jesus. And I just want to let you know that you are all a part of that. We were able to bless a lot of people down there with a lot of awesome baseball equipment. Yeah. And it's all because of folks like you who give, all right? So uh, don't stop giving. We do a lot of amazing things as a church to give to people, and you are all part of that. So there's four ways on the screen behind me that you can give. Also, hey, if, if, you're, if you know Christ, you're, you're, you're a member of this church or whatever, and you're like, man, there's just some things going on in my life where I'm lacking peace, we always have a prayer team right up here at the front. Uh, make yourself available to them. They're just be standing right up here. Just walk up and say, hey, I need some prayer. They just want to love on you a little bit. Everything's confidential. They're awesome people. So uh, make yourself available to that. Um, go ahead and stand up. We're going to get ready to go here. Got a couple more things as we go. Don't forget your act of kindness cards on the pub tables on your way out the door. Do something great for someone this, this week. Like we said, we're going to focus on first responders, military, teachers, that kind of thing. Bless these folks and uh, invite them out to church. Also, don't forget about our toy drive. Our toy drive next Sunday is the last Sunday to drop toys off. And we're going we're gonna to bundle all that up and take it down to some kids who uh, need some uh, Christmas joy and some love shown to them this Christmas, right? Um, then last thing, tonight is our impact night. Where's our impact students at? Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Tonight is ugly sweater night for impact night. And I have a feeling that things are going to get pretty ugly and pretty awesome and hilarious. So if you need some more info about impact night, maybe you've never been to one before. We got a little uh, banner up in the back here. We got some Santa hats, um, some cool lights and some cool people. No cowboy hat. The impact cowboy switched out his cowboy hat for a Santa hat. That's cute. Yeah. So uh, that's all we got for you today, folks. Have a great week. Love you guys. See you later.